When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oppenheimer is over, but here on Poetry Recaps Theater, we are just getting started. My name is Ariel, and I am joined by my co-host, host, host, I think it's host, right? The neutron to my neutron, it is Grace. Grace, what's up? I'm doing great. Uh, I have my. I'm. I'm doing this podcast. I'm. I'm lying down, turned away from the camera, and looking through it. Uh, th- through a little tiny piece of glass. Yes, I'm doing. I was. Podcast. I was wondering where you were gonna go. Mm-hmm. With that. Like, mm-hmm. why is she lying? I have down? zinc on my nose. Just on your nose, because that's the part. I have started actually to put like SPF on like my T zone the last oh. like few months because I, you know, you get like a little bit of the sunspots. I'm like, oh yeah. no, Naomi Campbell wouldn't want that. That's right. Um, but yes, Oppenheimer. Wow. Part two of Barbenheimer. You know, we did our Barbie podcast earlier in the week, but the weekend, it feels like we're just partying on the weekend. Last weekend continues. We're here to talk about Oppenheimer, the other half. I mean, for some people, like maybe less than half, right? Like for a lot of people, it's like Barbie a lot and Oppenheimer a little. Uh, before we get too far, posterrecaps.com slash movies is how you subscribe to the podcast feed so you never miss anything. I wish we could say we we're going to be talking about Barbenheimer the rest of the year, but mm-hmm. at some point we have to move on to something else. But for now... The Ninja Turtles is coming. Ninja Turtles is coming, for sure. Apparently it's very good. Like I don't want to I've heard it's good up, as well, too. Meg 2, yeah. The Trench is coming. Are we going to be doing that <laughs> no, one? No. <laughs> oh. Not that we're not going to cover it, but I am not interested in it. It's a. Um, pre- I have to say, they really, they really. What is it? Top, it's a top-heavy summer, I think, for, for movies. <laughs> I, is it the big shark? I do have to say, yeah. Are they gonna? Is Meg gonna jump the shark? Can it? Can it even jump the shark with the Meg know. beneath it? Let's Who's blow up the shark. <laughs> <laughs> Let's blow it up with a bomb. Yeah. Grace, this movie finally came out. I feel like I've been, I've been seeing this trailer for freaking years were you getting the the promotional like billboardy thing that was like the countdown to oppenheimer yes. were you getting that yeah and i kept wondering i'm like did they time that right how do they know yeah. what's, the, <laughs> what's the deal mm. with the time machine bomb uh written and directed by christopher nolan actually i'm seeing now there are two other writers kai bird and martin sherwin which yeah. i was not aware of when i saw the movie actually to be honest uh i believe that's the book so it's based oh, on yes. the book okay. Yes, yeah. that makes sense. American Prometheus, which Based they the wrote yes. and then Nolan adapted, but they get a screenwriting credit. Yes, it makes so much more sense. Yes. Now I'm back yeah. to all my original points I was going to make about Nolan's writing. I cannot wait to talk about that. But um, yeah, I mean, was anybody was anybody wearing uh, orange or black to, to <laughs> your screenings the way they were wearing pink to Barbie? So I did Oppenheimer first. And so I really I think it's very hard to be like, oh, a lot of people are wearing black. Uh, so I don't think so. <laughs> Um, I did have a pretty full screening. I saw it on the Thursday night around uh, 5 p.m. ish uh, before Barbie. 
Uh, and it was pretty, it was pretty packed. It was pretty packed in there. But I definitely do feel like if people are only going to one and we know that like, I've, you know, I talk with a lot of coworkers, they know I watch a lot of movies. So like what's, you know, and, and they've been specifically like, Oh, what about, what about Barbenheimer? What should I do? And, or so they'll ask that question. Like, were they good? Basically. I'm like, yeah, they were both really good. But then there's often this like, yeah, but I've been like three hours, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm gonna go to Barbie. Um, I really loved Oppenheimer, but I certainly think it has some like pretty big flaws that I think I'm like trying to like squint to avoid so I can like keep my four and a half uh, star rating of Oppenheimer because I really did like it. I think the criticism of it is really fair. And yet I'm still like, I don't know, it is pretty freaking good. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it's hilarious. I'm watching, I'm, I'm still picturing you like squinting, laying down with like yeah, that's a right. little mirror or that's like right. maybe you're in a car and you think the windshield's going to help you. Spoiler alert. It's probably not mm-hmm. going to help you. Um, but yeah, this movie went off like a bomb. I was worried that worried's the wrong word. I thought I had a theory because mm-hmm. I was not worried for these millionaire companies and these people uh but i my theory would have been like last week like okay the buzz is like really high on barbie so that's probably gonna make good money didn't think it was gonna make as much as it did very happy to be wrong there but similarly here i was like i'm i'm thinking this is you know barbie's gonna eat up a lot or take up a lot of the oxygen perhaps like a bomb yeah i i I mean, it's such, it's so much more the mainstream. But the other thing that's happening with Barbie, which is really interesting, which we I don't know how much we got into this the other day, but like people keep being like, so my mom, I don't know if I told the story about my mom. My mom was like, it's like it could be fun. Like maybe I think Emery would like the movie. And I'm like, no, no, I don't, no, no, I, <laughs> no, no, wait, 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 hold on, which is confusing. Like I think a little bit. And so I keep mm-hmm. here. So then my coworker is taking her nine year old son. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, you, you, you parent however you want. I don't care. Like, I, you know, I, <laughs> I don't I, I don't even think I would say no. Like, don't bring a nine-year-old. I just, I, it depends on how, what that your, the nine-year-old is like. Right. Um, but then her friend was like, yeah, I'll bring my kids too. I was like, no, no, don't bring your small, don't bring small kids <laughs> to this movie. Like, it's like not that movie. It is PG-13. I think there's uh-huh. some confusion around that, which I run, is that just how, why it's doing so well at the box office? Accidental children? Yeah, I would say probably like 95% of ticket sales were like small kids. That's right. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I do think that's, uh, this isn't a thing that I thought about. And why would I? Because I don't have children, although I do have a, it doesn't matter. I I, have have plants. Okay. Is that what you want to say? I have plants that I have tried to buy seats for at the movie. People don't want my plants and it gets dirty. Mm. Um, The... From the outside, I was like, people were like, oh, I bring my kids. And other people are like, oh, no. I'm like, wait, was there something bad in it? And then I think about it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess it does deal with like some pretty adult themes, existential ones at least. Um, but I think that is a fair point, what you just said of like from the outside, if you don't do any research, you're like, Barbie, like that's yeah. for kids. Shouldn't the movie. Or, or like family. Like, I think it's yeah, like at least family enough, friendly, like, if not yeah. like for children. Yes. Yes. And, um, yeah. you know, in some cases, it probably led to some some complicated conversations. But that's what life is, huh? Yeah. Huh, Grace? Well, I think the more I've, like, been, hang around with, like, my, uh, my, my brother and sister-in-laws, they have, like, you know, three kids all under the age of, like, six and under. Uh, mm-hmm. The amount of stuff that they, like, are privy to sometimes is just, like, you know, oh, there's an F-bomb. Like, that somebody just dropped. Like, you can't. Yeah. You know, oh, there are definitely some bombs. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... I do think Oppenheimer, like I was talking about this discourse about Barbie and Oppenheimer, that I think Barbie will be the, you know, as Melissa was saying that Jess said, of sort of this legally blonde type it will permeate our pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, um, like a lot of people buying a specific piece of merch that's like a kind of a joke from the movie, but people are buying it this weekend. It keeps selling out for Mattel. Like I think it'll permeate a bit more. Whereas I think Oppenheimer, uh, you know, it made about $82 million, I think. Uh, it's uh, the first weekend, which is like, that's so good. It's just that Barbie like doubled it basically. But I think the success Oppenheimer is going to have is that um, it, it will be this sort of like presumably an awards um, 
I don't want to say darling. I think it's, I think it has chances at like being nominated for best picture. Don't know if right. it will win. I think the acting, I think there's a lot of like Kelly Murphy, uh, even Emily Blunt and Robert Downey Jr., which we'll get into, I think mm-hmm. as we, as we get on and then, and then like, it's going to get a bunch of stuff like down the line. Right. Because of just like the, the technique it's, it's fun that there is like this pop culture movie. And then there's sort of this movie that I think what I got really excited for was sort of the, how much Christopher Nolan obsesses over the th- like how he's making his movie mm-hmm. which i got really excited like i don't i didn't have the possibility to like go see it on like 70 millimeter or whatever um but i was still pretty excited to like it sounds silly but like see how we the idea that he had like blown up a bomb okay let's see it like and when do they use it in the movie and all of that stuff so i i really enjoyed it i definitely think i have nits to pick um but overall i really loved it and uh, i want to see it again i just have not had the chance to see it um before we were recording yeah, because it's three hours. Like you have I to know. like you have to s- I know. cut out a lot of it's fifty percent more. Wait, is it? Yeah, it's fifty percent more movie than Barbie, at least as far as runtime. Yeah. So you really like on the on the big IMAX seventy millimeter screen by me, it was like they only had four showtimes in the whole day. Right. Which usually it's like closer to five or six, as much as like it's a Marvel movie and they're running it at like two or three in the morning because they don't care. And they're kind of just I mean, endgame, they were literally running for twenty-four hours around right. the clock for like two right. weeks. Um and I had forgotten that thing that you just said of that he blew up the bomb in real life until we yeah. got to like the scene in the movie. I was like, oh my God, that's right. They blew up the bomb in real life. This is so cool. It reminded me of like when they took over. This is like so in a way, like I, it's not elitist of him, but it was so like almost privileged of him. They had to close a bridge in uh, in the city because he had to film like one of those big sequences from The Dark Knight Rises. And in the movie, he blows it up. Sorry, or not him, not Christopher Nolan, the character, but uh, one of the bad guys blows up the, the bridge. So they had to cover the bridge and this thing in order to like to add the CGI. And I was just like, that's that's the fake explosion. So here he's like graduating to a real explosion. Um, similar to you, I think I had, I definitely had some nits to pick, which I think is pretty, this is going to sound unkind, but I don't mean it to be that way it's pretty normal for Nolan with me. Like, I think there's, there's so much for the most part that I react to and it's so bombastic. (laughs) That wasn't on purpose, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the score, the soundtrack, people are complaining again. It's so Nolan. Like I can't hear the dialogue and everybody who knows Nolan. It's like, yeah, come sit down. Let's talk to you about (laughs) his sound mixing and Uh the way he doesn't like prioritize dialogue and being able to hear people. This is a very talky movie. Which is a choice. Yeah, this is like all talking uh, or a lot of it anyway. And I think ultimately the film is way more successful than I thought it would be. I was, again, worried going in of like, is this is like seemingly so uh, a a small story, maybe not a small story because it does feel very big, but like a very contained story a very uh, human, just real life story. There's no, I mean, I guess similar to Dunkirk, but for the most part, a lot of the movies that we know from him are either some version of a superhero movie or like they involve time warping in some way. And you can argue he did that in this movie in a way that I think is interesting because I think all his movies involve time, or at least the, besides the the Dark Knight ones, which I think you could argue, all his movies involve time, uh, a relationship with time that humans have that I think is very fascinating. And you could have a whole discussion about how he feels about it, uh, whether it be Inception or Interstellar and all that, like even Dunkirk, right? Like the twist on that is the way like the three stories kind of like stack on top of each other. And seeing it, I will say, like seeing it on the big screen i said this before long ago about a movie i don't remember which but it's almost like it's similar to an experience when you're reading a comic book and there's like the big splash page where the it's taking up the whole it's usually if there's like a big battle or like a big mm-hmm. reveal we're going to take up the whole page instead of like the smaller panels and we're right. going to cut back and forth and that's kind of like what watching the movie was where there were moments mm-hmm. where all of a sudden the screen got really tall and you're like, Oh right. my God, I have to look up at it. And then it goes back to, like, I don't know why you sit in the front row. Size. <laughs> the crazy that my, my best friend and I have this like joke, but it's not really a joke. We love sitting in the last row and it still sometimes feels like it's too close to the screen right. because right. that's how big the screen is. 
Um, I took so my that, niece to a movie it, and we accidentally sat in the front section and I just like think I messed up on the app and realized there was more seats and I'm so embarrassed uh, that she uh, thinks I like sitting in the front seat and worst of all what if she liked it like, <laughs> we have to sit in the front that's the worst part that she may yeah. have enjoyed yeah. it yeah uh, so that was like a really cool just uh, contextual experience of yeah. me watching the theater that I think like added to it a little bit because obviously mm -hmm. it's intentional when he wants the screen to be bigger and when he wants to be smaller. This isn't a movie like Interstellar or Inception, in my opinion, at least, where there's like a whole lot of cool stuff. Like, yeah, it was cool to feel that and get like, quote unquote, extra information, visual information. I obviously went to that screen for a reason, but you know, there the I can't remember besides like a few exterior shots. I can't remember a moment where I'm like, yeah, that was no. that's a thing. You know, it's yeah, just like he, his his yeah. hat was a little taller, maybe. No, he did the thing at the he does this thing in the movie where he's like kind of like visualizing what Oppenheimer might have visualized. I don't know if that makes sense, and we'll get into yeah. it as we're doing it. But um, some of that stuff, I was like, oh, interesting. And I, I, the thing I feel like in terms of like, why did I like it? I feel like it was such a Christopher Nolan film mm -hmm. and that was, those are my expectations. And I felt like that's what I got. I like ordered my meal and I got exactly what I was supposed to. And like, I'm like, yeah, like certainly this thing I would change or, you know, I wish there was more of this. And I'm like, I don't know. That's just not what he does. And, and, and I feel like that's such a, I feel like that to an extent is like a cop out to say like, cause there's a whole thing we'll talk about. I think in the spoiler section about, you know, who is not, whose story is not being told in the movie, but, I, I don't know. Like, I also just feel like for me, this is, this is the type of movie I absolutely love, which um, is it's introspection into one, one guy and his moral, like the moral complexities of stuff he's going through for like three hours. It's very talky. It's like made for me. And I'm like, whenever I see like a critique, that's like, ah, but it, it you know, it was too long and it shouldn't have, you know, and I'm like, I, I loved it. Like I love just like sitting in the theater for three hours mm -hmm. uh, and getting to like soak in what he's trying to do. And I thought the, like the, the, the like dilemma of the film, I don't think it's a spoiler, right? Like it's about the guy he's, he's good at making bombs and he's not sure if they should make bombs, but they kind of have to make a bomb so that Germany can't make a bomb, right? Like they need to be the first people to build the bomb. And that's basically the dilemma he's in. And then you, you know, Spoiler, what the create he creates a bomb and it's like oh man i created a bomb what like oh, no how that might be really bad um like yeah like years and years of cold war you know shows us that like yeah it might have been really bad to have built all the bombs during the war so i just i just sort of loved and you know that i like dark stuff i like stuff that's like tonally really dark and what i liked about this i feel like it it it, it had that um and also i don't want to i don't want to spoil sort of the end because i actually think like the ending is a little bit i don't know that people know that story very well so i don't know uh, i'm a canadian as well so what do i know yeah about how well people know Oppen <laughs> yeah we're talking about american history grace yeah. uh no please i don't know anything about this like i knew yeah. i knew the big you know the big note the the uh the memorable and super historical uh moments more as just like you know data points of like this happened right. and then this happened so it was really cool I agree with you to your point about how much of a Nolan film this feels like. And that was the th one of my things going in another one of my things going in, I should say of, am I going to, am I going to care? Like that sounds so, <laughs> I don't yeah. know, oversimplistic, but am I going to care for three hours? And to your point, yes, I do have faith in Nolan. And I was like, if anyone can do it, he's one of the few I think who can and not only was I surprised at how riveted I was, like the the some of the internal world that he's showcasing in some of these shots that he's trying to make a connection between the, the way that Oppenheimer himself sees the world and stuff. It feels very big like he's done. I can't I couldn't help but think like there were all these shots from like space and stuff. And I couldn't help but think of a movie like interstellar that is so literally physically out there. Right. And you go mm -hmm. so far away from earth and here it somehow is able to feel as big because you're dealing with like the infinity of space that exists on like an atomic level. And that's a sentence I never thought I would say. And that's so cool that he he's getting us to think about that and, and for it to have done as well as it did at the box office, I think it's like a good sign for like the intelligence of people in the world that, you know, we don't just want 
we as a society don't want just like to be spoon fed nonsense and easily digestible garbage. Like we actually can use some vegetables. Well, I, what I really like, uh, I think the impressive thing about this film is Nolan's obviously obsessed with like science and, and especially like time. And this is one that he figures out how to make time. You know, he, he, he's, he is interested in time and, and it comes through in Oppenheimer. Um, I, I do think there's a way that, so he's kind of gone back and forth here. He's basically when he's, um, uh, so he does the Batman movies in the middle of that. He does the prestige. He also does the inception, um, which is one of my favorite movie going experiences ever. Yeah. Um, agreed. Uh, coming out of the inception. And I actually loved how confused I was. So I think mm -hmm. that might, whereas I think a lot of other people sometimes come out of his movies being like, I feel so dumb. I, I did. I felt pretty dumb after 10 and I have to admit, um, but I'll challenged, uh, yeah. not bored, challenged and, but definitely the most confused out of any movie of his that I had seen for sure. But I kind of love, you know, and especially, I think I have an appreciation, like, again, I'll, I'll leave Inception out. Cause I think Inception for me, it, it fits in the mold of what I think are maybe his, um, well, so he kind of goes back and forth between interstellar and tenant are both movies that are like fiction, like sort of fictional science-y, you know, future, something that's like a story. And then Dunkirk and Oppenheimer being these like tr true stories that he's then trying to um, uh, adapt. And this one in particular, like you could just tell there's such a love for the material that they're talking about him trying to like bring that to life in a way that like, I, it's so interesting to me that this can be, a blockbuster when it's like it's so sciencey it's so sciencey you yeah. know but then i think they dive so well i mean actually we've been talking about dark you know yes. for weeks on the near end of dark dark is a show that i think it's sort of like covered in like science fiction like science time trip whatever but then it like it just like punches through that to be so personal and i think that's what this movie for me did really well in terms of like mm -hmm. the relationship that oppenheimer has with some of the other people um over the course of his life that like makes the fun of the science fictionies and this one isn't science fiction it's a historical drama but how much science there is layered into it like kind of fun to to do and obviously like yeah, it's a big bomb, you know, like it's, yeah, cool. It's going to be cool to see. So I don't know. I, I, I'm, I walk away from it, like thinking about it a lot. I, I, I definitely want to see it um, again, but overall I highly recommend people going That's to check it out. bomb. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, usually we, we go into our uh, spilling of the PSRT and go through a full plot summary we're not going to go beat by beat, certainly, but basically the, the movie is structured so that we're getting for the first two hours, we're basically getting like a story of the bomb. Right? <laughs> I'm like, I love it. The bomb is like the the third, uh, the the of uh, the co-lead. Right. It's, it's him and the bomb. Yeah. There's kind of a three act structure to it, I think, in terms of mm -hmm. like Oppenheimer before the war and, mm -hmm. and all the stuff he's getting into. Um, the middle section where he's in Los Alamos and they're building the bomb mm -hmm. and then at the Manhattan the, project. Yeah. And then the aftermath of having built a bomb and layered in with like a security clearance interview. That sounds so boring, but, yeah. um, and, and the beginning is like, he has some affiliations to communism and all of this stuff. And so, um, it's sort of like, yeah, this idea that like he got like, like, did so much learning and training and, and he meets all these people to try and be really good at, mm -hmm. um, at, at what he does to the point where despite him having these like communist leanings, he gets hired to basically lead the Manhattan project. Right. Um, and then ultimately like, yeah, but so what? Like, uh, <laughs> now like, uh -huh. you know, um, you might have some like, uh, you know, uh, moral, qualms with what you did and what we want to continue to do mm -hmm. um and some people trying to, to to take him down because of that i i thought actually like i was really nervous when i when it started about the sort of like intersplicing the black and white and the color and the interview yeah and he's and trying to give you like a visual language for when you're like moving around in time now the yeah. book that it's based on uh some american prometheus is that the yeah. name of it mm -hmm. it's it's told completely linear linearly apparently but right. nolan he doesn't know how to do that right <laughs> like in, arguably in any of his movies certainly not memento he must uh, be so confused to have a conversation with where he'll tell right. you like, the, end of this, the middle and then and then the end again and then he goes he starts the out and he's like goodbye like, goodbye <laughs> yeah, that's right. uh but basically like 
though the, there are two uh there's a there are two hearings basically one is like more of like a senate hearing for the robert downey jr character confirmation hearing, and yeah. yeah thank you and then the like uh inquisition Se- for lack of a better word clearance, Secure, yeah. security clearance renewal uh trial that uh oppenheimer himself had to sit through and like the movie basically uses those two like a lot of other movies have you know like no disrespect to nolan but using and i think it's a good thing usually and in this case for the most part as well of using those in those two different hearings we'll just call them hearings both of them Mm -hmm. uh you're getting a lot of backstory and a lot of information and a lot of history on oppenheimer himself so he's like using those to kind of like skip around time and make the story a little bit more interesting and also compact in a way where like the different layers are kind of working together the the craziest part about the movie for me is that by the time you're done with the second hour, the bomb has just gone off. Yeah. And then you're like, wait, what is this whole third act right. going to be about? Like, right. I, I don't, I don't know if I, I care. <laughs> I know. I think, I think there are people who this is for sure their biggest critique of the movie that the last hour is, is pretty, is, is weaker than the rest, even if they enjoyed it. I think that it, it is an interesting idea that basically two thirds of the film is, is the bomb. And, and so then this last hour is this reveal, right? That like the guy who seemingly has been on his side has actually been the one orchestrating the removal of his security clearance. Yeah, Cause the he, bomb, the bomb was coming from inside the house. Yeah. Which is the Robert Downey Jr. Character. Cause I, and so ultimately I don't love the Robert Downey Jr. Performance. At least I don't think it's as like, holy whatever mm-hmm. as much as people hair, have been making it out to the be. hairline was very distracting for me personally yeah. that's not his fault <laughs> i know i know but i do I, I think that like by the end it, it i do it does it made a little bit more sense as it clicks in that like oh he's the one and he's talking about like yeah you know never want to be in the light you you do your work from the shadows and ultimately this com- confirmation hearing um exposes him that he's the one and, and oppenheimer had such uh was so beloved in the public for like you know, ending the war. And I, I love all the stuff about should they actually drop the bomb, which we'll get into the complexities of, of that decision um, that was, that was made. I do think it's sort of work. It's a very uplifting ending to basically be like, yeah, Louis Strauss is one of the only, like it, it was the first time in like 50 years. Um, a senator had not been confirmed basically due to this like public support for Oppenheimer, um, mm-hmm. mostly by Remy Malik's uh, uh, a character. Don't know all the scientists. No, it was Remy Malik himself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Maybe. Yeah. And then and then this idea that like he sort of does get recognized for for his work publicly um, at the end of closer to the end of his life where he'll eventually win like the uh, the Medal of Freedom or whatever. Um, I, it did. I was really worried it wasn't going to work out. I do feel like by the end, that is not my com- complaint of the movie at all, really, mm-hmm. is like the structure of the way the story was told. I thought I thought it worked really, really well in terms of using the end of the movie to basically then go back to these periods because that's basically what it does right we mm-hmm. get a lot of the third hour uh like what the third hour is about we get to see a lot of that it's stuff happen in back. the yeah. yes in the first and second hour mm-hmm. um as they're asking him to like retell what happened to this whole thing i, yeah. I thought it was good I, I it worked for me certainly Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I, I want to say around like two, 220, 230, I was like, oh no, they're losing me. And then they they brought it back because like you said, basically we find out that like Robert Downey Jr. is like kind of because of some stupid fight that they had where he like uh, where Oppenheimer embarrassed him in front of like other senators. But really, it was like such a dumb childish thing of like he just took a thing way too personally. That's how I took it. Um, That now Robert Downey Jr.'s character who wants to be a senator is like out to get him and we'll stop at like nothing. And he thinks every, like that part of it was very believable that there would be a person who had, it was like this self-centered who wanted to be um, Senator because literally he thinks that Oppenheimer and Einstein are talking about him when Oppenheimer and Einstein have way more interesting things to, and important things to talk about than this freaking guy. But um, then you, the twist on the twist though, because I think a lot of people saw the Robert Downey Jr. thing coming. I didn't because I was so focused on the yeah, bomb. Uh, but the twist being that like, in a way that's really cool when you think of the context of Oppenheimer being like the architect of this Manhattan project and being in charge and having like the full plan and everybody else only had like a little mini uh, fragment of the plan is that like at some point Oppenheimer realized that this was going on with the would-be Senator guy and kind of like turned it around on him and like used it against him. And then you get, like you said, the Rami Malik, like I'm going to give a speech about purity and why this guy's a scumbag. Um, so like, he was like, re- he is like the master architect of his now reputation and of his legacy, the way he was and like making the bomb. And I think that that's, that's cool. That's like definitely interesting to me, to your point, the movie by the end, I'm like, okay, I totally understand this. Like, character study and this person who basically has the ability to come up with theory that can change matter right like affect the world around him so why wouldn't he be able to affect the world around him in the sense of how people feel about him and how he can affect public perception of him and ultimately this guy like not being senator I thought that was um, that was cool. And I think the Nolan would probably say, I don't know. And I don't think he gives like he doesn't like to give like many interviews about like, this is what my movie meant or this is what I meant by that. But I think the the fact that we get the bomb at the end of hour two instead of hour three is like a subversion of your expectations. And you're like, oh, God, you know, now you're free falling and you don't know what you're going to get for this the movie. Um, but Grace, as a Canadian, should mm-hmm. you have dropped the bomb? Uh, I mean, the movie basically said. I mean, there is large debate about this, so uh, I don't know is the answer. But what I what I do, what I love when I realize that the bomb, the bomb is the the test at Los Alamos. Is the bomb actually going to work? Because yeah, it makes total sense that the bomb is not the end of the movie. That's not what the movie is about. It's not about blowing it's not up called the bomb. bomb. <laughs> yeah, it's about the moral quandary that Jay Robin I'm an Oppenheimer faces in terms of being someone who is this the most knowledgeable about this and nobody even thought right that he he um uh that that they should they should be studying that and i i'm like forget quantum physics uh quantum physics in the united (laughs) states whatever i know i know science he did science stuff (laughs) um and so he does it and he's the foremost knowledgeable expert while also at the same time, like being, you know, affiliated with communists. And, and I, I for and me, I view unforgivable. Yes. You cannot be affiliated. I know. With I know. I did. I did love this stuff of the way that Robert, I've been like, he's often like, no, I'm not a communist. I like, but I believe in some of the ideal, uh, the ideals of it. I don't know how true, that is, I mean, uh, the writers of the book have said that this the movie is 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 a, a pretty much a complete. Um, it's like the best adaptation they said, which is like, yeah, that's your friggin' book. So of course you yeah. said that, but whatever. <laughs> but to that um, point, apparently, like everything that's in the book, detail wise, was in right. the movie, which explains the runtime. 
Right. So, but this, so then he has that, but like he's Jewish. So this idea that stopping the Nazis, like getting to the bomb first is so important to make sure that the Nazis can't build the bomb. But he said, there's this line near the end of the movie that he said his biggest mistake was that America will always use whatever weapon we create. Um, and this idea of, okay, oh, okay, yeah, we built a bomb, it works. Um, you know, the argument about whether to use it, because at this time when they dropped the bomb, as probably many people know, Germany had already surrendered in the war. Hitler was dead at the time. Uh, so it's just Japan. And there is a lot of debate about whether Japan would have surrendered or not, whether the blockades would have worked. I, I don't know enough to ever be able to probably give an opinion on whether or not they should have dropped the bomb. Doesn't matter. He ultimately like and and there's this thing during the, the security clearance about like, OK, when did your because after the war, he's basically saying we should not be building bombs we should be trying to create deterrence and, and agreements where we we collectively as the world don't build bombs so that nobody uses them um as opposed to what strauss's argument is is, is and kind of the belief is like no if we build we just have to have more bombs than anybody else and then that's the deterrence. just more bombs that's the more bombs. <laughs> so i do i just love the moral complexity of all of that because like if you put yourself in oppenheimer's shoes if you were the world's leader in quantum physics being Jewish at the time and knowing that the Nazis are, you know, are, are you know, partaking in, in, in a genocide, the, the, um, the Holocaust, like, yeah, it feels pretty important to go and stop that from happening. And we're going to try and build a bomb. And then all this stuff with, with Albert Einstein, which apparently this is the stuff that a lot of people say is like the least accurate in terms of, I loved, I think it was Ga our friend Gabby Pescuzzi who said, um, uh, this movie um, uh, made her realize she doesn't know when Albert Einstein was alive, which that was very funny. Because I kind of felt the same way. I was like, "Oh, interesting that he was around." Yeah, and that part was so fascinating to me. Yeah. I can't. I I, yeah. I really want to talk about that. But um, yeah, yeah. So this this moral dilemma that he's facing, I think it's like it's so fascinating because I I don't think that there's like a right answer and it's very complicated, whatever. And so I just like love sitting in that like moral quandary throughout the movie, you know. Yeah, sitting in that unsure space that he clearly is sitting in for years of his life, like yeah. between the the amount of time, like thinking about it, just thinking about matter, thinking about particles, like his entire life in some way, certainly his scholarly life is like leading to these moments. And then to see your I think the movie does a really good job of like we already said a little bit, like sometimes he closes his eyes and we see. Yeah. You know, in the beginning of the movie, we see him looking at little puddles of uh, ripples of like right. causing by raindrops. And like that's, right. you know, a, a metaphor for the way like molecules and, and neutrons, question mark, uh, knock into each science other. Stuff. Science, uh, knock into each other like at an exponential rate to cause like these kinds of explosions. Right. Yeah. And and he closes his eyes as an adult and he sees like waves of matter in the like it's very interesting to to see this physical representation of how he thinks about the world i think that's endlessly fascinating and and kind of beautiful uh and then to see the for the movie i think this is really effective for the movie to sit in some of his in the immediate aftermath of of the bomb going off his dread his his horror to think about like he's literally standing there making a speech and he has a hallucination that everyone who's listening to him they're like a bomb goes off an imaginary bomb right and everyone yeah. who's listening to him like their skin literally starts to fall off from you know the from the explosion and there's just white light and he's like having to deal with the fact of like these hundreds of thousands of people dying because they dropped two bombs and i really really enjoyed the way that they so cavalierly talked about doing it twice like I, I forgot the 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 reasoning it was like once to show them we have it and two to show them we can do whenever we want or something like that yeah um which that part i have no trouble believing i mean literally they obviously dropped twice but like as far as the reasoning and yep. the, the callousness with which they're talking about this loss of human life absolutely makes sense um unfortunately and i i appreciated the externalization if only via hallucination of his dread and guilt at like what he hath wrought upon the world yeah um so to just talk about like yeah the the actual dropping of the bombs i think one of the other critiques i saw floating around online is that it, it does it's not there's no um we don't see 
any point of view that's about the people who are the most affected by the atomic bomb. I can go back on for I, I don't want to see an atomic bomb drops uh, in the movie. I don't think I think the choice to to have it be the testing site um, is is a choice that I agree with in the movie. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't I don't know where to to sort of like land on that in terms of how much they this movie should have done that. I almost think that there is to your point about the callousness of which to say, this is why we're going to drop two bombs. I, I don't know. Again, maybe this is a total cop-out for me to say, but like, I do feel like the, the way that the movie is positioned almost like hammers home this point to a degree that this is how they thought about the idea of using nuclear weapons and the, and the destruction it would actually cause the idea of, of, of dropping it on civilian cities um, because those were where you'd sort of cause the actual most damage. I think it's like a really, uh, and I've seen arguments on, you know, online for both sides of that about um, the reason why you, you, it should be in there that um, seeing the Japanese sort of effects or um, even just have any Japanese character in the movie, um, yeah. right. Uh, versus um, uh, to not have it and why, and why you wouldn't. Um, so I, I don't know the, yeah, I, th yeah. I think for, for I, I can certainly understand that. I mean, on the one hand there were, there was a whole thing on Twitter that I saw that was like, oh, I wish we could see like the, the I wish like there were like, you know, uh, basically instances of art that from the Japanese point of view, separate from the movie, not uh, that we should see it in the movie. Right. Of like, I wish there was out in the world. And it's like, there's there so are. There is. Yeah, yeah. There's so much right. from like anime to, right. to art to everything of like, it makes so much sense. Like Had a big impact on Japanese so culture, I presume. Yeah. You know, grotesque horror, for lack right. of a better phrase, yeah. of like how this affected just normal everyday people who were literally just living their lives and minding their own business. I think on... What I will say is I think the the movie two things. I think that what you just said a little bit of like it makes it does make sense that they would be speaking about it in that way because this is something that had never been seen before. So the idea that they couldn't even comprehend, even if the number had been like a billion people die, it's like, well, I don't know what that means. Let's drop the bomb. Like yeah. I don't know the the horror and the devastation. But um for me, like getting to see his guilt and the personification of it in the real world or how he sees the world is like in some ways even more powerful that probably sounds like a cop out but um i think there's there's a lot to be said of like his so much of the movie is internal for him so to see him reckoning with it is arguably enough at least for this particular story yeah the other big critique of the movie, and it's one I have, is that I do really think that like um, the women in this movie, particularly Fran uh, uh, Florence Pugh as Jean Tatlock and Emily Blunt as uh, Kitty Oppenheimer, are so severely like underused. Like um, you know, Jean Tatlock commits suicide after Oppenheimer like officially ends the relationship. Um, what a scene where they're both naked. Uh, I was like. Wow. <laughs> a lot of people, I saw a lot of uh, questions sort of like, I hear that uh, Kelly Murphy is naked. How naked? And the people are like, he's not really naked. He's folding his legs in a way that makes him not really naked. So naked, anyway. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not a one-to-one, -one, but it is yeah. both of them essentially sitting naked across from each other. Yeah. Um, the first, I will just say like there, I, I did, I caught this in the moment, but it's one of those things that like I immediately forgot about. And then I read something about it. I'm like, oh my God, yes, that makes sense. Of there's she goes to uh this is the Florence Pugh character drown herself, but then yeah. there's like this random cutaway shot of like someone a, a black it. hand yeah. pushing yeah. her head down. And I remember noticing it and being like, That's weird. Who did that? And then I'm like, Oh, the bomb. Like, I'm on to the next thing. And there was, you know, there's the theory that like she as a actual bona fide self uh self-selected or self-referential communist unlike oppenheimer himself was like eh, i like some of the ideas i don't know i'm not really sure where i stand uh he she was like getting too close to the manhattan project so like she was she could have been like done in by the like the government kind of thing just out of out of safety paranoia security reasons um but yeah her whole, her whole motivation is or her whole plot really is I don't like flowers. Don't bring me flowers, which yeah. is an adorable bit because he's like always bringing her flowers that she's throwing into the garbage. But like she just 
loves him and we don't really know why like I, for my memory we don't even get like a scene where it's like oh he's so smart she's just like immediately like you know enthralled by him attracted to him yeah uh, i was happy to see Florence she... pew always yeah. yeah but uh i was like yeah maybe better off for her yeah i guess i didn't realize the gloved hand i i always assume in my reading of that thing so there there is that theory which i as i'm reading now uh which is probably right my theory was that like it's him envisioning that he killed her. Like it's, Ooh, it's I like that. It's it's him envisioning him drowning her because he's the cause of her suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that makes total sense. Especially but no, in I his, think like, you're right. Internal but... world. No, but yeah. I, I like that read. I think the if the movie allows it, allows the yeah. interpretation. I think it's fair oh. because he has so much internal stuff that he's kind of making up in his head and hallucinating. So I think yeah. that's that's a fair uh, read. Yeah, um, and then Kitty is like just like I don't know. <laughs> When she got her monologue, Grace, I was like, oh, like this. I was so surprised. But then she's like speaking with like marbles in her mouth. I'm like, what is happening? Like, yeah, she gives a speech at the thing, right? And she's like angry and she's drunk. They get, uh, the scene where they give away their kid for a bit is like, well, brutal. And then they eventually like, he basically rats that guy out as a communist, which is. Which is <laughs> he was like, can you take care of my son forever? <laughs> like, uh, wild, 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 Um, But um. Yeah, she's just like really like I don't think this movie passes the Bechdel test. Uh, I, I I don't think so, right? So like it's a little. I thought this movie was about the invention of yeah. the Bechdel test. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just a little bit like you know I don't know. She's you know a pretty interesting. She's a biologist herself or a a scientist herself, mm -hmm. um, and like you know I I just. I don't know. It's just like there's so little other motivation is wrapped up around other around him, right? Um, which is like I think just like I get it. It's the movie is called Oppenheimer, uh, which it is also her last name. Um, but if she's <laughs> arguably, you know, if it's about true. J. Robert Oppenheimer, it's uh, about him. But you just just more you could do, especially when it's Emily Blunt and like just so much of her. She's just kind of like angry all the time, and like you know, I get it that she's like as he's sort of like reluctant to fight back and he's just trying to like, kind of just be open about everything. And I, you know, there's a really intense scene. I think actually when he does rat out um, the guy that he rats out and he ultimately ends up in a meeting with uh, Casey Affleck's character. And um, just later he's then in the hearing being like, no, I lied at the time. I was trying to like, you know, I was trying to protect myself, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, but I just thought that was, that was, uh, interesting and compelling but she just just like and so my point there is that like he's kind of like letting by the end by the security thing, he's kind of like over kind of like trying to fight back a little bit he's kind of just be like yeah they're good and i think it's uh i really love the performance by um gosh what is his name i i feel so bad that i know him from the santa claus um you know uh, what i'm talking about Dane, no, I, he, I was gonna say is it Dane DeHaan, but I don't think he was in that. No, um, it's uh, God, this cast is so oh, big. Oh, that's that's right. This funny. This is the perfect segue because this is where I was going next. Uh, is it Alden Ehrenreich? No, uh, I was gonna like. Let's he's go the the guy who list. keeps giving him oranges. Um, uh, uh doesn't matter. Uh, doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter, and I want to find his name, but but right. nevertheless, so many people I can't even tell who they are, but. So many anyway, performances. No, he. I love. I love him. I'm gonna figure out what his. Uh, what his. What his real name is. Um, but he's. Oh, he's, David Crumholtz. David Crumholtz. Yes. yes. And he's the one who's like telling his friend. Him, like, yes, I absolutely yeah. remember. Yes. Yeah. No, it's not worth it for me to join the Manhattan Project. Like, yeah, I know what they're doing, but like, they will throw me out as soon as they're done with whatever I do for them. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, I, and so that's where I feel like Oppenheimer is at that point, and and her sort of role, Kitty's role, is to be like, no, you have to fight. Like, what are you doing? We're gonna lose everything if you don't. Like fight, mm -hmm. you save the world, and it shouldn't matter what you did before. Um, she has, she's kind of the only person to really get one up on um, on Roger Robb, the guy who is like hired to be sort of like the prosecutor, the lawyer uh, who's in there like prosecuting, basically like giving the fifth degree um, uh, to Oppenheimer. She kind of gets one up on him. Um, it is a really fun cast and crew uh like matt damon uh benny safty like big moment they used in the trailer like maybe because it's the most important thing to ever happen right. in the history of the world i was like matt damon calm down you're gonna <laughs> blow a gasket uh, -huh. uh that was fine like i thought he the rest of his performance was a little better than that moment mm -hmm. um but you know robert Downey jr we already talked about uh josh hartnett is in here josh hartnett okay 
probably my favorite Josh Hartner performance of all time. And like the bar is pretty low. Yeah. Like he's not like, you know, he hasn't been in a lot of things recently. He was a bigger, like a uh, teenage star kind of. And I was so surprised. I was like, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. He can do subtle emotion. This is wonderful. Well, I can be, he's the guy who's like, don't do this. Like, don't, don't start a union at work. Like, don't bring communism in here into the science. Yeah. Bad that he did that, but also like, yeah, uh, he ultimately doesn't, um, the other thing they do really well, I think in the movie is the, um, we see some scenes of the hearing, like the, mm -hmm. his, his security clearance where like Matt Damon is like, you know, yeah, I would have hired him. Um, Betty Safdie's character teller is being like, yeah, I, I don't question his clothes in the United States. And then we get where like, um roger rob eventually will like we then see it later those scenes extended where he's able to like yeah despite that belief yeah, like i think matt damon lisa groves is like yeah i wouldn't hire him based on the guidelines now um i really love the stuff of like uh edward teller being like i i honestly don't know what he believes and i would prefer to be under you know be reporting to somebody who does mm -hmm. uh i thought this is like really interesting and compelling because i don't i think that's true probably that j robert heimer is like yeah we had to build the bomb and also we shouldn't keep building bombs so yeah no it's uh you know you mentioned edward teller benny safty yeah the the uh the filmmaker turned more recently like a big character actor with some crazy well not crazy but some very uh intentional eyebrows in this movie yes um jack quaid son of dennis who has yeah. like basically they used him a lot in the trailer he's not really in it that much but no he's you know, not always welcome uh yeah a lot of men uh <laughs> just, of men. Uh, just to point that out there was one woman who worked on the bomb yes um it wasn't florence Pugh, as we no. said previously and uh there was one other person i wanted to call out specifically oh yeah dane dehan i thought as like the little i mean i call him little but like because i imagine him like a little bit sniveling the way he he is trying to you know, undermine some of the, some of the goings on. He ultimately, he ultimately is working with Strauss. So yeah. Yeah. So, but I thought he was so subtle in a way here that you don't normally see him. Like, I think a lot of no, people know him as like the crazy bad guy in that movie. Uh, I almost said inception. I'm not gonna remember it now. Encounter. He gets like powers. It doesn't matter. Michael, Michael B. Jordan's in it as well. Um, but what a way he's come like for not a starring role, but like a very pronounced uh, B level role in, in a, uh, in a Nolan movie. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. This cast is humongous. Um, it was kind of fun for it to keep it. I don't know. I kind of like it. It was a thing. No, I love it. I'm, I'm being stupid, but like, it's that yeah. thing of your, it's like, you can't keep track of everyone that's in it. You're like, oh, there were so many people that were in it for not that. Like Tony Goldwyn, Jason Clark, Scott Grimes, uh, like people that I know. I mean, we did. We should Modine. Kenneth Branagh. Uh, who plays the Neil other scars guard and has like a wicked accent another yeah. scars guard like the 17th one yeah uh somebody played just a dutch student that's wonderful um but yeah i think for me the big surprises were like dane dehan and and uh josh hartnett because i had never seen them be this good other people i've seen be as good um i think as we finish up i we can just mention the i love the way the movie sets up in the very beginning, the end of the movie, because Einstein is having this conversation yes. with Oppenheimer that, of course, Strauss thinks is like about him. But it's like literally we get we finally get at the end and it it, it kind of is is the miss is the bigger mystery of the movie. It was like what? And the longer the movie goes on without showing you what they actually said, the longer, you know, that it's going to be like important. Mm -hmm. At least I did. And it didn't disappoint. It was basically like and then you see like we saw einstein's face as he walked away from that conversation so you knew it was going to be something not great something bleak even perhaps and it's oppenheimer being like i think you were right that we started like something that we can no longer control kind of thing i'm paraphrasing but you know science yeah you know that's i think that's it right it's like he's like yeah i think doing the math like yeah doing it and participating in it is like i i think you were right that like the world might end now so fun let's so let's fun. live with that and yeah. then the movie ends and you're like, yeah, maybe I should go see Barbie again. <laughs> I, this is what I did. I saw Barbie after Oppenheimer. You can't end on Oppenheimer, I don't think. I knew this. Even before the movie, I said that. Like yeah. here, here at the end of our Barbenheimer coverage, I was like, I knew from the beginning 
I cannot see Barbie. I cannot see Oppenheimer second. I have to see Barbie second because I just know that yeah. Oppenheimer is not like a it's not like a feel good story, you know. Really tough to try and just play Albert Einstein. I think I, I think it's a pretty tough task. I think <laughs> that uh, makes me laugh, especially as I as uh -huh. I see it now. Is like the way his hat, his hat is so clearly pulled off with a string. Yes, Einstein instead yes. of like they could have made it made yes. made it look a little more windswept. No, but instead the hat is like it's like yeah. a joke, right? It's like yeah. Einstein mixed with like Charlie Chaplin. It's like, hard. That's, that's hard. Albert Einstein to be Albert Einstein in a movie. That's, that's tough. Tough. But I will say. I, I just think like we talked a little bit about some of the performances that Kelly Murphy, that is an Oscar nominee. Oh yes. But that he's so good in this movie. I feel like, you know, I love him in Peaky, Peaky Blinders. I, I actually wasn't entirely, you know, I'm like, he's, he hasn't really done it where he's like the leading man of a big, big film. Like mm -hmm. someone correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's not, like he gets, you know, he's been in like the quiet place sunshine, and whatever, you know, but... uh, the blockbuster that sunshine oh. was. I'm kidding. Yeah, and he's like he's been a Nolan guy for forever, right? He's like, you know, he's mm -hmm. in he's in the Batman trilogy yeah, he and he's in Inception. Um very fun that Margot Robbie and Killian Murphy are um Harley Quinn and Scarecrow and then oh, there you go. see we talked but, about yeah, we talked yeah. about Batman and all her pots <laughs> But he is he's so good in this. I think it's like undeniable how good he is in this in this role. And I know like I, I I'm a little bit sick of like the picture of him with like his hand on his head being like, Oh my god. Cause like I feel like that's it still looks like such a character of like what he is the whole movie, which is just like a man so riddled with like, I think I'm gonna end the world. You know, mm -hmm. I think we're ending the world. So yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. Shame on us for going this long without, without talking about his acting specifically. But obviously, his performance is the most important part of the movie. If that's not working, then the movie doesn't work. Certainly for three hours, and just yeah. some of his intense, as dumb as it sounds, like some of his intense gazes and his joy and his grief and his guilt, like all of those emotions are perfectly manifested on his face, and yeah. it's that's not easy to do. I'm not an actor, although I do support the strike. But that's that's some, as you say, capital A plus acting from from our guy Murphy. Killian, yeah. Killian, what a guy! He Killianed it. All right, Nobody's that's that's our sign that we need before. to move on. Uh, <laughs> Grace, this has been incredible. I can't believe we yeah. survived Barbenheimer and an atomic bomb, even though it was a fake one in real New Mexico. I know. Yeah. Uh, what a fun! What a fun week of movies. And uh, as I said earlier. Uh, that's pretty light. I mean, there's Ninja Turtles coming. <laughs> there is not a lot else coming. Listen, so we will cover these two movies until the end of time. Okay? Let's just keep going back to uh, watch. Uh, this is how we do. But luckily, there are other podcasts out there. Uh, until next week, Grace, what else have you got going on? Oh, a lot. We're doing Dark. We're nearing the end of Dark, as I mentioned before. Doing Foundation with Rich and Austin. Uh, Good Omens, like with Philly and Taylor. Heartstopper's coming back. Uh, a TV show called Heels is a pro wrestling show. Uh, the After Party we're doing. There's a lot. So uh, you can find me. I'll promote them on various social media handles. I'm either uh, at High for Grace or at Go for Grace. Any of them. Wow. Is that all? Is that all you're involved in? Actually uh, not. I forgot game night. <laughs> I didn't do what we do in the shadow. Why? Be quiet. Really busy right now. I know. <laughs> I am not one to silence others, but no more. Uh, I I am also on whatever that social media app where people write things is called these days. At that other Ariel, I am covering after party like you said. We're covering dark, covering Grey's Anatomy for some inexplicable reason that science cannot explain. But, uh, you know, here we are. <laughs> we'll be back next week talking about uh, talking. We're going to be yeah. talking. talking talk to with me. You talk with me. Talking to me. Talk to the hand, as I've been calling oh, it. Oh, yes. Talk to the hand. <laughs> I'm very excited. This is getting really good reviews. Yeah. So, uh, horror, horror movie, movie. talk to me. Horror movies, it's they're so hot right so now. scary. We've been on the horror, we've been on the horror movie train for years. We invented that. So I know we invented uh, horror. Yeah. But until then, I'm Ariel. That's Grace. And we are Pusher Recap Theater.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.